Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. Some of the best stories in history emerge from total happenstance. We've told you a few incredible tales from that genre. Here's another. It concerns a man from the 1700s you have undoubtedly never heard of, Benjamin Lay. And why are we talking about him today, like 300 years later? Well, because of a man named Dave Wormerling, the caretaker of Abington Meeting House in Jenkinton, Pennsylvania. One day in the mid-1990s, he was poking around the old Quaker house looking for pesky mice. What he found, he said, was a historical mystery. The etching of a small bearded man in a fancy colonial outfit. On the back, the man's name, Benjamin Lay, with a little note describing him as a zealous abolitionist who died in 1759. Wormerling was intrigued and he set off trying to find out more about this lay character. But the 1990s were mostly a time I like to call P.I., pre-internet, so he set about asking older Quakers around town what they knew about Benjamin Lay. It turns out, not much. So he went to libraries, tried to find experts, and before he knew it, a decade went by without much to show for his efforts. Then, in 2014, a big break came. Marcus Redeker, a historian from the University of Pittsburgh, showed up at Abington Meeting House to research a book he was writing. And wouldn't you know it, the subject was Benjamin Lay. Wormerling described his reaction to the post succinctly. I went nuts. And then the mystery behind the etching unraveled. The historian told the local Quakers that Lay wrote one of the first treaties against slavery in colonial America at a time when many prosperous Pennsylvania Quakers were slave owners. But for speaking out, the Quakers disowned him and he was lost to history. He was born in England in 1682 at a time when Quakers openly challenged the Anglican establishment, insisting that people could experience God directly. They were pacifists who rejected war and refused to bear arms or take oaths. For their beliefs, they were widely persecuted. They worked as a shepherd on his brother's farm as a team, then trained as a glove maker, a trade he hated. At age 21, he ran away to become a sailor and eventually settled in Barbados with his wife, Sarah. In his travels, he not only heard stories about the horrors of the slave trade, but witnessed them firsthand. He was so convinced that slavery was wrong that he grew his own food and made all of his own clothes. Lay stopped eating meat and got around on foot because he did not even want to exploit animals. When he was 50, Lay and his wife settled in the colony of Pennsylvania, 
first in Philadelphia, then home to the world's second largest Quaker community. They eventually moved a few miles north where he lived in a cave near the meeting house. He had been drawn to the area by the promise of William Penn's holy experiment, a place where Quakers could live with their faith without persecution. But he found that some Quakers were slaveholders, which, in Lay's mind, also made them persecutors. Lay fiercely protested against slavery in Philadelphia. He spoke out in worship services, calling Quakers and others who were slave owners man-stealers. He also employed street theatrics, according to a biography of Lay published 55 years after his death. One winter, Lay stood in the snow outside a Quaker meeting house with his right foot and leg uncovered. He was easy to notice because he had dwarfism. When people urged him to come inside, he said, Ah, you pretend compassion for me, but you do not feel for the poor slaves in your fields who go all winter half-clad. The Quakers eventually had enough of Lay's protests, and one day in 1738, they literally carried him out of a meeting. He was banished. He spent the rest of his life fighting against this injustice and slavery. At the old meeting house, Professor Redeker made a request that caught the community by total surprise. They should readmit Lay as a member. But there was no way to do that. Also, the community didn't want to rewrite its history. So last year, the Meeting House celebrated his life in a formal ceremony, and a statement was adopted declaring Benjamin Lay what early Quakers called themselves, a friend of the truth. It only took two centuries. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Susan Hogan for reporting the story for the Washington Post. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.